0: Hello there, and welcome back to Beats by Social Work. I'm Kristen. And I'm Tiffany, your host for the show. We're so glad you came back. And for those who are tuning in for the first time, check out episode one to learn more about who we are. But a brief summary, we are both certified clinical transplant social workers who specialize in all things heart transplant and LVAD, also known as left ventricular assist device.
1: Our goal is to talk all the things transplant and bad, from the social work perspective and to bring the human element back into the world of transplant for our fellow social workers and our patients,
0: as well as professionals who may stumble in. As a reminder, we are social workers, but we are not your social worker. So we hope topics discussed here will lead you to further discussions within your own transplant team. All right. So this is clearly an offbeat episode. Or a no-beat Oh, listen to you. I see how you did that. You started us strong. Yeah. What? What? Okay, but (laughs) Tiffany, you have to tell... Everybody, the shirt that you're wearing. I need a description of what you are seeing and what I am seeing today.
1: Well, for for those that are are just getting to know us, um, mm-hmm. n- '90s. Bless hip-hop. your heart. <laughs> Bless your heart, but in a good way, not in the South way. Uh,
0: oh, you know, because
1: I'm from the South at a point in my life. Florida, hey, that's, that's the South. Okay, I'll okay. give it to you. Okay, give it to me. Come on now. Anyways. <laughs> I uh, I am a big lover of 90s hip-hop, like could sing almost every lyric to most 90s hip-hop songs. So the shirt nice. that I'm wearing today is 80s made me, but 90s hip-hop raised me. Boom. Love it. And with a, what we didn't realize as we signed on to this uh, episode today, Kristen and I are very in sync today.
0: Yes, we are.
1: As we are wearing the same over shirt.
0: Of that is correct. In black.
1: Buffalo plaid flannels.
0: <laughs> so not only did we sync up our shirt, I stole this out of my grandmother's closet. <laughs> I um, purchased mine on my own. Wow. Well, you know what? Someone has to be the adult in the room.
1: So are you the adult or am I? Because You're definitely I have... the
0: adult because you huh? bought your own stuff.
1: <laughs> I fought my
0: I bought my own old lady shirt. Okay. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Okay, so but today's episode is all about VADS. It is an intro to LVADS, left ventricular assist device from a social work perspective. Ooh. So I know I'm super excited because one, this is an episode that is long overdue. We've been talking in our introduction about uh, how we're transplanting LVAD social workers, but now we're just going to dive into what we've learned about VADS over the years and why social workers, need to know the medical components of an LVAD and how they fit into the team as a whole. So this is obviously not the only conversation that we're going to be having about VADs. It's the first of many. But for those listeners who may not be familiar with what an LVAD is, it's a good start to lay that foundation, even though we've already built the house on top of it.
1: Exactly. And because we're sure that you've heard us talk about VADs and other episodes, and some of you that might not be familiar may not know what exactly we're referring to. And Mm -hmm. we also have a pretty decent group following well, not following, that's not the right word I want to use, but a group of LVAD social workers out there that is underrepresented.
0: I totally agree. A lot of people, when they learn about LVADs, most of the time, it's either because you saw that one awful episode of Grey's Anatomy, where they cut the driveline, which it doesn't happen that way, by the way, or or you have one yourself or you work with them. But the community at large doesn't often get to hear about LVADs and much less knowing that there's a social worker in and part of your team. So LVADs social workers are vastly underrepresented. And one of the things that's more specific to LVAD social work is, which we'll go into in a minute, but a lot of them are the single social worker for their program, especially if their program is what's called a destination therapy program. So Tiffany, do you want (laughs) to? Go ahead. (laughs) I think we were going to
1: ask each other the same question.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So Tiffany, can you start us off by explaining what an LVAD is?
1: Well, I would love to, Kristen. Uh, I can't do it without... I'm very sad because when I am talking to my patients about an LVAD, I carry a binder that has a photo of an LVAD, and I like to use that as a reference point. And I do it twofold. One, so that as I'm walking around the hospital, I also am representing LVAD as a whole. So I have my binder, and the LVAD is is out there to people that are familiar with that. But then if I'm in a room, and that's the first question I ask after they've been explained, you know, you might be a candidate for an LVAD, what the heck is it? an LVAD. So an LVAD can also be referred to as a heart pump. And what it is, is it sounds a little sci-fi, so stick with us. It is a pump that attaches to your left ventricular so the left side of your heart okay the pump is at the bottom and there is a component that is pumping the blood up to the top so that it's circulating so the pump so when you have a stethoscope that was a really good imitation of it too i might say so myself uh
0: yeah i'm not gonna lie i'm on board with you that was so was like wow that's like shockingly (laughs) accurate
1: when you when you put a stethoscope up to a person's heart that has an LVAD, that's what you hear instead of the typical doo 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 doo. I don't know if I can do it with my microphone, but you hear the woo and now the newer ones that are coming out, uh, there's a little bit of a whistle in it as well. Some some of my patients say that it, it sings to them, but I digress. That pump is attached to what's called the drive line, or to break it down like a power cord. So this is all inside of you, okay, until you get to to your abdominal, your tummy area, and now each center uh, does it a little different on which side they have the drive line come out, and sometimes it's patient's preference. I actually had one patient that was a guitar player and the the way that they held their guitar, they were had a preference of it coming out of their left side. So we were able to make that happen. Of course, scans, there's a lot of medical components into it on determining that. But anyways, it comes out of the abdominal and then it attaches to a controller and two batteries. Now, not your, your double A batteries, not your D batteries. <laughs> These mm-hmm. are specialized LVAD batteries are all connected and must stay connected and a lot of different ways that you could carry it and I know it sounds heavy and well it it is a little bit cumbersome uh especially as you're first getting used to it but there's a satchel that comes at our program Uh, it comes with a satchel that you can utilize or Mm -hmm. as some of my gentlemen say is that a man purse I don't want to wear a man purse Uh, but there's a lot of different accessories and I think we'll probably go into that. But those batteries have to be charged at all times. Those, this device comes with additional batteries that should be charged and ready and you bring with you at all times. But going back to the pump and the, the makeup, where it comes out of your abdominal, we have to have what's called a sterile dressing change on that because it is mm-hmm. an opening. Now it heals around that driveline, but it is still an opening into your body. So a source for infections. So you have to have a sterile dressing and that's not just a bandage. It's not just gauze. It's a very specific specific and particular way to do it and again each center has a little bit different way of how they want their dressing changes to be done but mm-hmm. that's got to be maintained in order to to assist with fighting off any potential infections so and and y'all couldn't see me as i was making my my gestures and pointing but kristen uh, uh, how did i do
0: without having the actual visual so you you did it beautifully you made a perfect example of what an elved looks like and where it goes and where it comes out of the body in the generalist of terms and i think you did excellent and And one of the reasons, the main reason why we want to go over this, why we want to talk about this is because there's a lot of different components to the LVAD that social workers need to know because it can impact one, how we work with our patients, how we work with our families, and just having more of an empathetic approach to what their experience is like. So having an LVAD, of course, I am not speaking from a patient's perspective by any means. And if there are patients out there listening to this that would love to respond and and offer commentary about life with a VAD, then please send us a message. We will happily share it on our, on our social media. But life with a VAD is, can be cumbersome. There is a major lifestyle change. One of the reasons that we are part of the team is because we are looking at quality of life and motivation to go through this procedure and to deal with those lifestyle change. Okay. So Kristen, what are the lifestyle changes? Well, <laughs> Tiffany, I'm so happy you asked. I was going to, you didn't <laughs> let me have a
1: break. No, I was going to say, well, Kristen, tell me more about those lifestyle changes but
0: you just took the words right out of my mouth so Go ahead. I mean, matching shirts, matching thoughts, right? We're just all simpatico all around today. But yes, Tiffany, I'm so glad that you asked. What are some of those lifestyle changes? Well, one of those lifestyle changes in particular is going to be you can't immerse yourself in water. Just like you don't go swimming with your cell phone, you cannot go swimming with an Elvad because you are powered continuously by batteries or some sort of power source. So when you're home sleeping, you very likely would not want to be connected to batteries. Batteries, nor would your center likely recommend that by any means. So there is something that you can connect to that connects directly to the wall so that you're connected to power. There's also the sterile dressing change. So that sterile dressing change can either be daily, can be twice a week, can be based on your specific needs or the patient's specific needs and what the program does for their dressing changes. So we got no swimming and dressing changes. Tiffany, I see that you are very interested to say something. (laughs) I was going to say,
1: so no swimming, but... Kristen, can I go in a sauna?
0: Wow, you're really tripping me up here, my friend. Tiffany, that might not be a very likely idea because the batteries that you have are lithium-ion batteries and can get overheated. Right. And also, if it's that is if it's a dry sauna. If it's a wet sauna, you are still dealing with the humidity and you're also dealing with a, a sterile dressing change in a very humid environment. And I strongly suspect that those saunas are not very clean and that is a wet, humid environment for a lot of of gross bacteria to be floating around in did that answer your question
1: it did because i tell my patients no
0: (laughs) (laughs) but i'm glad that you went into detail oh yes well of course i mean if if there's anything that's said about me, it is that I am detail-oriented. So there's a lot of really good resources out there for VAD patients. And you may also hear us say VAD, LVAD, heart pump. Those are all synonymous. They're all, we are all referring to the exact same equipment. But some of the other restrictions or lifestyle changes are going to be your medications. Patients are going to be put on a blood thinner. And the reason that that's important is because you have to have your labs drawn to make sure that the patient is on the right dose for the blood thinner. And that also means dietary restrictions. restrictions that may interact with the blood thinner. So one of the main things is uh, you're usually on a blood thinner called warfarin or Coumadin, and that interacts with vitamin K. So foods that may be high in vitamin K and that sort of thing, you'd want to make sure that you talk to your team about what your diet looks like. So it's a little bit more than just your heart healthy diet. Some centers, not all, but some centers restrict the patients from driving. So what does Mm. that look like if you're not able to drive?
1: That looks tough. That looks tough.
0: Yes, I agree.
1: And there's also some, and we say some centers because we have to be very clear that each center works a little different, just like with transplant, but especially with VAD. We have been involved in several discussions and groups talking with VAD social workers around the world, and each one does work a little different. So whereas we may be talking about our center specifically, often throughout this, you're going to hear some centers or check with your center or things of that nature because there is such a difference. Yeah. Yeah. The the max lifting for a VAD, 50 pounds, is what some centers say. So even after you're healed, pushing, pulling, lifting, no more than 50 pounds mm. for the duration of your LVAD.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. And so there's also changes to the caregivers because with an LVAD, it's not a one man show or a one woman show, one person show. It's an entire team approach that also includes your informal team and your informal support. This is what I tell my patients often is that the advancements of medical technology, especially the advancements in medical technology pertaining to heart failure, the community has not caught up with that. Medical advancements have moved so rapidly that insurance companies and the community at large have not been able to keep up. So what that means is that there's a major gap between the medical technology available and the resources available in the community and through your insurance to help you care for that medical technology. So how do you bridge that gap? The bridge that get, that goes between that is going to be your informal support. That's going to be your family, your friends, your community, the people that are there for you that come and check on you that you know and trust. Those are going to be your caregivers. We insurance pay them. It depends on your state. It depends on your resources, but I err on the side of caution because those resources are so incredibly (laughs) limited. And so the demands on caregivers are there too. The caregivers have to help you or help the patient manage their medications. Most centers recommend that the caregiver be the one to do all the driveline dressing changes and not the patient. And the way I explain that is if I was the patient and I was doing my own driveline dressing change, I'm kind of looking down, I'm looking at my tummy, I'm looking at my abdomen, I'm looking all around. But if let's say my sister, my mom, or someone else was my caregiver and they're doing my dressing change, they have a bird's eye view. They get to see the whole 360. And so it's more likely... That you have less of a chance of succumbing to an infection. and that's that is a possibility. And so there's also changes to an LVAD too both for your partners and the patient in that sexual intimacy changes with an LVAD. Mm-hmm. And that will certainly be a conversation for later down the road as we hope to have a new guest speaker for you.
1: Ooh, cliffhangers.
0: I know. I well we got to have a cliffhanger, right? It makes the world a better place.
1: We do. But I think something else to, to mention in this area, in this part, is the body image issues when it comes yes. to NLVAD. Because the thing is, when we talk about transplant, it's internal. And you, you know that you went through it. You know you have those scars. But the rest of the world doesn't see it unless you show it to them versus... When you have an LVAD, it's out there. You can see it. There are ways to hide it. I have some patients that have come up with some really incredible ways to kind of tuck everything in. But if you're not going to utilize those clothing, accessories, things of that nature, it's there. It's out in the
0: open. The thing mm-hmm. with
1: LVAD is it is walking life support.
0: That is correct, Tiffany.
1: It, it is walking life life support. And so often we think about life support as being on a ventilator and having to make the decision to stay on the ventilator or take someone off the ventilator. When it comes to the LVAD, those same decisions actually exist, except mm-hmm. you sound mind and you as the individual are making some of those decisions. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's also another part of this all to be considered too. And that's why it's so important to really be there for your patients and talk with them about the lifestyle changes as a whole, the what does this mean for me as a whole, and the the discussions of what does it mean long term for me. Now, Kristen, you mentioned DT earlier, destination therapy. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us more? And are there other acronyms like BTT,
0: Bridge? Well, thank you for leading up to that. It's so funny that you mentioned it when you did, because I was thinking internally, oh, okay, this would be a good segue to this, but... <laughs> So, huh. yeah, so there are multiple reasons why somebody would get an LVAD or why someone would be considered for an LVAD. Um One of those reasons is you are a candidate for a heart transplant, but you don't necessarily have time on your side to wait for a transplant. And so that's what's called bridge to transplant, where you do the evaluation for both a heart and an LVAD. And if you need that device in order to live while you wait for a heart, then they'll go in and implant the LVAD and you're listed for transplant once you recover from that surgery. And then you go and you have a bridge to a transplant LVAD. Same exact device, just different reason. And then the other reason is going to be destination therapy. What that means is for one reason or another, you are not a candidate for a heart transplant at the time of evaluation. And so you are what's called destination therapy. And that means that you are an end-stage organ failure. And so this is going to be your last stage treatment. What that means though, is that if you remain in LVAD as destination therapy, your patient will die with an LVAD. And as Tiffany mentioned, it is walking life support. And so, the dying with an LFAD is very different than dying without an LFAD. And I want to make sure that that is said out loud.
1: Mm-hmm. And I think it's something that, again, uh, social workers, individuals in general, uh, can have a, a difficult time talking about because you're talking about this um, this life saving device, this additional option, and so some people don't feel comfortable then talking about the death of it all as well. But if you are going into this as a destination therapy, at some point you will have to make that decision because this device will continue to work unless it malfunctions, which is does happen, though that's in the, the lower percentage, but mm-hmm. it does. That's one of the risks that are discussed. But if you were to get into, say, a car accident, if you were to have a stroke, if, you know, other organs of yours were not working, your heart is still going to work. This device is pumping your heart. Mm-hmm. So you and or your loved ones, depending on the situation, eventually will have to make that decision on when you want to turn off
0: Yell that. Mm-hmm. And that's another reason why we want to go over quality of life and motivation to live. Mm-hmm. Because there, let's say there is a patient out there who may be saying, I'm tired, I'm done, I'm sick of this. That's why we want to talk to you. That's one of the reasons why we're clinicians and we're mental health practitioners, because we want to make sure that. You have all the tools in your tool belt to handle stressors. That the patient and the family have the resources that are available, that they have access to them, but that we also look at the higher risks of depression and anxiety, and that this is a traumatizing event. This hurts. (laughs) Yeah, it
1: it hurts. I mean, and it's just. Again, going back to transplant and or any other surgery, there's that recovery time. And for Mm LVAD, sometimes it's a a little bit longer because your body is getting used to this device and we have to make sure that the settings are correct. And so the sci-fi of it all, there's settings, Mm -hmm. there's RPMs, we are... Literally, a lot of my patients, and I love it, and I started using it sometimes, we're, we're putting a turbocharge in you. Mm-hmm. And so just like with the car analogy, we have to make sure that it's tweaked appropriately. It's working appropriately. It's got the right settings for your engine.
0: Mm-hmm. What we and call pump speeds.
1: Exactly. Mm-hmm. So you're going to meet with your clinicians at the institution or have discussions with them for follow-up annually as well to sometimes be tween annuals because is, is the speed working correctly for you? Is... And Tiffany,
0: I'll interrupt you there because I will add that some centers have their patients come in monthly Mm -hmm. and they, uh, what, what it's called interrogate the device monthly because when, and that's one of the reasons why this is important to know. So to connect it to social work and what we do is we are, we are out there to advocate to, for vulnerable populations. We're there to bridge those vulnerable populations to the appropriate resources. And we run by the theory of if it's not there, then advocate to create it because we don't want to take a patient. We can't fix one individual, and then put them back into the same system and expect there to be sustainable change. So we have to also make sure that the community knows about VADs as a whole. But the disparity that comes from this is with LVADs, you have to go to an LVAD center. So if you live in a rural environment or you live somewhere where you don't have even regular basic Medical care, the commute to get to your LVAD program or your closest LVAD program, that also impacts traveling. And so, if you're going, if you're traveling somewhere to visit family or friends, you need to know where the nearest LVAD center is. Should something occur, your LVAD team is going to want to communicate with that center as well. But you can't just go to any hospital and say, "Hey, check my device, see what's going on," because they're not going to be trained in it the way that the LVAD programs are.
1: And Kristen also I'll bring it a step further on that, is not all centers, not all hospitals have the appropriate equipment to check with LVADs. Unfortunately, LVADs, though have been around for quite some time, are still a unique device and not everybody is even aware of what it is in healthcare. Mm-hmm. And some of these hospitals that are in, in areas that don't have LVAD patients or don't have as much knowledge base about innovations with the medical world. They Mm -hmm. don't have the equipment. So Doppler is something that you'll hear honestly. And unfortunately, not all hospitals have a Doppler system, which is a device that is used to check the heart and your blood pressure because a blood pressure Mm -hmm. cuff is not going to work on you. You, an LVAD patient doesn't have a pulse. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so what is the first thing that you do when someone's unconscious? No? Anyone? Check for a pulse. So if someone goes and checks that patient for a pulse, there's no pulse. What do we do? And then everybody kind of is working in the dark a little bit. And so that's why it's so important to have, to know where you are, to let your, as Kristen said, letting your LVAD center know. And even those that are in rural areas, that's not to say that they can't have an LVAD. It's just that planning. And it's why we ask those questions on... You know, what is the area that you live? We ask the questions for the LFAD patients. Tell me more about your home setup. Do you have 3 prong outlets? That's actually a governing board question. Uh, Jayco is Mm -hmm. looking for, did we ask that? Do you have electricity? How often does the electricity go out in your home? That's something that's asked. We think about natural disasters. Going back to the beginning comments when Kristen so lovely forgot that I was in Florida for quite some time. (laughs) (laughs) I lived through hurricanes while we were there, and we had LVAD patients.
0: You're right. I know nothing about that living in Houston.
1: (laughs) I'm just saying that (laughs) I had that experience as well. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. And was at some of the special needs shelters that we had set up that had LVAD patients.
0: (laughs) Excuse me, fancy pants over here. (laughs) Yeah. Bring it. And what? And that's a good connection too. So the fact that not the community as a whole doesn't really know a lot about LVADS unless they are trained on it, unless they are brought to awareness. And so as a patient and as a family member, if you happen to be listening to this, you are your strongest advocate. If you find that you're going home with an LVAD, go buy your local EMS, go buy your local urgent care. Say, hey, I live in the area, this is my LVAD, and this is what it looks like. I want to make sure that you know my face because of the potential that if there's an emergency or or a disaster, I know I can come here. And the reason that I say that is that is actually something that came up. Uh, of course, HIPAA compliant example here, but uh, in Texas, we had our famous freeze. And so those of you who knew about the Texas freeze, if you didn't, I don't know where you were living or under what rock you were living, but it was a big deal. (laughs) We, We are not equipped for freezing weather the way that some of those who may be from Chicago or from colder areas might be. And so what ended up happening was We lost power. A huge chunk of the state lost power for days. And that meant that there was a major, large group of LVAD patients who their life is their life is sustained by being connected to power but the community knows about dialysis the community knows about ventilators does the community as a whole know about lvads not necessarily and what happened was some of my lvad patients when i called to check on them said i'm running on just a couple hours left of power i have to come to the hospital because i went to my local fire department and they turned me away saying no we don't we won't let you come in because we're not going to let you charge anything here Mm -hmm. and they had no idea that what they were Trying to charge was their heart.
1: Mm-hmm. Kristen, you're going to get me on a soapbox. You're going to my passions coming through, but I'll I'll rein it in a little bit. I love emergency preparedness and disaster planning. But what I will say just in this part is. There might be some of you out there that are saying, yeah, but we don't get natural disasters in my area. But just as Kristen's example, sure, they've had hurricanes, they've had tornadoes, but this freeze was un- unanticipated. Mm-hmm. In Chicago, in the Midwest, in cold areas as a whole, we know that when it gets cold out, we can lose power. We have plans and backup plans for that. And I say we because I've also lived in Chicago. I guess I've lived a lot of places, friends, but <laughs> they it does. The power can go out during that time. And so... Talking to your patient too, it may not be something that's necessary right now but saying you know emergencies happen and even in extreme heat sometimes extreme heats can cause the powers to go out sometimes you live in an area that's just rural and your power lines and grids aren't aren't set up well and so a, a wind gust maybe can blow it and so mm-hmm. it's asking in general what are your plans in the event that there was an emergency and having something getting them at least thinking about that so that no we don't want them to focus on that we don't want to hyper. Focus, we don't want to add more anxiety to the situation, but sure. it's let's have some discussions so that we know, oh, yeah, we already have a plan for that. If that were to happen, or if you were to move to another state, and having those discussions and being that awareness because it is we are the logistical pieces, the social workers are the logistical pieces of helping you figure out how to live life after device, after transplant. Mm-hmm. And these are all things that are real life, real life situations.
0: Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. And the, the doctors are here to make sure that you're, I mean, the doctors are here for obviously the medical reasons. But what I mean by that is the doctors and the evaluation, pro- their part of the evaluation process is here to make sure that you're a medical candidate, right? They're going to make sure they're not doing more harm than good by putting this device into a patient's body. Our job is to ch- to look at it as a whole. Our job is to look at What does that mean for them after that? What does life look like with this device? And can they sustain it? Can someone be successful with it? Or are they going to, are we setting them up for failure because of a social situation that cannot sustain this device? Because the reality is it is not for everybody. It's advanced therapies and it is an elective procedure.
1: I agree. And I think that it also is looking at it from the standpoint of we want to make sure that we are. Setting them as you set up for success, but in the same context that the doctors are looking at it, we are too, but not just in the medical component it It's the the all of it. And is there a way that if they don't have the best social situations, can we assist with that? Can we overcome that with them? Can we develop a plan to where they can still receive this device, but also not go for broke, also not put them in a situation that's going to make them worse than they came into the situation as. And so it's the medical making worse and the psychosocial making it worse.
0: And what I'll say too is because the community doesn't know much about LVADs or as much as they could know because our role is so underrepresented what that sometimes translates to for our patients is unlike a heart transplant patient or a lung transplant or or any solid organ transplant patient where there's tons of media out there about meeting your donor and there's movies about transplants award-winning songs about it there's very very little out there about LFADS Very little. So what that means is that there's little resources. So you could be eligible for certain resources and apply for certain grants because you're a transplant patient. But what does that mean if you're a destination LVAD therapy patient? It means you're the stepchild Mm -hmm. and it can sometimes feel that way. So how do we as social workers advocate for that? How do we help them? That is the question at large. Yes,
1: yes, and that is the biggest thorn in our sides of it, it, it's not sexy. Elvad's not sexy. Right. And so
0: that's why there's,
1: there's some heart failure programs out there that we can look into and we have, and we have those on our website too. go take a look at that. It's under the MCS uh, section of it, but it's bringing that awareness for having more programs out there that are willing to assist the LVAD patients. It's bringing that awareness to even, unfortunately, there's some medical personnel that aren't familiar with this as being an option. So they're not referring their patients. In a timely manner, or even suggesting that this is an option for them. And so that is very unfortunate. And that's another reason why we want to get this out there. There's people that have no idea that this exists or. or think that it's so far off or unfathomable, they don't even, it doesn't come to their mind when they have a patient that they can no longer assist medically. And so bringing that up to say, hey, what about an LVAD? What about that heart pump as an option?
0: Yes. And I'm just over here so excited that you said that because I wanted, uh, it reminded me of something I wanted to say. And that's Happy Heart Failure Week. <laughs> I don't know if yes. You can say Happy Heart Failure Week. So it's this week, is Heart Failure Awareness Week, and that is through HFSA, which is the Heart Failure Society of America. Woo! If you haven't heard of them, I suggest you go look them up because they are a super cool group of professionals and very, very smart people as well. <laughs> but interestingly enough, they're, the theme for this year's Heart Failure Awareness Week is actually exactly what you just said. It's It's about function of the heart of a failing heart realizing that heart failure does not automatically mean palliative care, that there mm. are advanced heart failure treatments, there's medications. And so that's one of the things too. A lot of times when a patient is evaluated for an LVAD, they may be put on a medication that's uh, that's an IV because the pill medications are not working anymore. And that IV medication might be something called an inotrope. An inotrope? I'm so excited you're bringing that up. Yes. Please tell me why you're excited that I'm bringing this up. Because that is another
1: consideration of options for advanced heart failure. And oftentimes an inotrope is utilized prior to an LVAD. Mm -hmm. I have had some patients that have been on an inotrope and an LVAD uh, that were waiting for a heart transplant as well. Mm -hmm. But- um, inotropes can also sometimes be referred to as pump. So we also want to make sure that language there, because sometimes patients hear pump because with the IV medication from an inotrope, it's attached to a pump as well, but externally, it's all external. And so I have had patients that have gotten a little confused and I can see why you're talking about pumps mm-hmm. and think that when they're, they're going through an LVAD evaluation that they've already been talked to about it because they've been talked to about inotrope. Or vice mm-hmm. versa, actually. Um, they think they're they're already on a heart pump because they're on a inotrope, but it's different than an LVAD. So, sorry, I'm just really glad that that segue because I was thinking about that earlier, and so I'm I'm so glad we're in sync today.
0: I know, just in so many ways. It's, it's wonderful. And I just like to say that I consider myself to be a woman in science, because I work with a machine, and I am a social work scientist. There is a good colleague of mine that uses that phrase, I am a social work scientist, and I have told him that I am stealing that phrase. And it's true. We work with an incredible piece of scientific and medical technology, and we need to be proud of that as well. And so learning specifically what the LVAD does, how it functions, what it means for our patients, that's how we take that medical piece and all that jargon and help our patients cope with it, how we help translate it, and how we make sure that our patients are heard. Because if we're not even understanding what's being told, how can we make sure that our patients are understanding what's being told to them?
1: Informed consent. Thank you. Understanding risks and benefits. Right to autonomy. Mm. And those are all pieces that are also part of the evaluation from governing boards too. So Mm -hmm. it's all that to be said that you don't have to explain this to your patients necessarily. You don't have to explain the why and the medical pieces, but you do have to know it so that you can help them
0: understand it. Mm -hmm. Exactly. You don't have to teach them to do the driveline dressing change. But be open to the possibility that you should observe addressing change or you should observe teaching of addressing change because learning something new, no matter how well educated you are, just like Nikki said in our previous episode, that is a stressor in itself. And your higher level of education or your level of education in general should not preclude anybody from any barriers that may make it even more difficult to cope with learning something new.
1: Mm -hmm. So let's Mm -hmm. learn
0: how we need to help our team adapt, maybe the teaching style or how, uh, just in general, making sure that our questions and our patients are heard.
1: Exactly. There are a lot of cool devices that can help in that learning style now too. And a lot of adaptability. I had a patient that had trouble hearing, the caregiver had trouble hearing, and there was concern over, you know, if a patient is unconscious and can't hear an alarm going off, what happens how do we overcome that? And there's there's a lot of cool hearing impaired devices that will vibrate that you can put under your pillow that would pick up the alerts from the LVAD. So it is, it's knowing where the opportunities for growth are, the vulnerabilities are, and figuring out, is there a way to overcome those?
0: Mm-hmm, absolutely. And I think that there's just one... F- Closing thing that is worth exploring as an introduction to LVADs, and that's the driveline infection. So when you have a patient, I'm going to just briefly explain it. But when you have a when you have a patient who has an LVAD as a destination therapy, they are not a candidate for a transplant whatsoever, and they get a driveline infection. What that means is that the the cord that is coming out of the abdomen, that opening, that the dressing change is being done by a patient or a caregiver, that component or that part got infected and what that ha- what happens when that occurs is that infection travels up where the driveline is and travels up to the pump, and the pump and the area surrounding the pump can get infected. So, that is why we look at these risk factors and doing our best to help ensure the success of the patient and the caregivers, because that's one of the major risks of an LVAD is that driveline infection. And we can buy time, we can put you on antibiotics, we can do a lot of different things, but then there is even more cost associated with that. There's more complications and it just gets harder and harder and harder.
1: Mm-hmm. And LVAD is not for the faint of heart, no. unintended. And it is, there's so much that we can still explore and there's so much that we will, but we wanted to get it out there and get get the first part. Get the what is an LVAD and what does it do kind of information out there. But don't worry, friends. We're going to come at you with more LVAD information. Stay tuned.
0: So in closing, Tiffany, on a scale of grandma's buffalo check shirt <laughs> to your adult purchased red buffalo check shirt with a hood on, where do you find yourself today? <laughs>
1: Well, I, that's hard because I don't know which is which, but
0: where yeah, I find myself true. in
1: is the ad- adult Buffalo check shirt because I have to go do adult things today. And I don't want to. Oh darn, Kristen. Where do you find yourself in the spectrum of buffalo plaid shirts?
0: Oh, I'm definitely full blown. I stole this from my grandmother's closet, and I am just solely being supported by my grandma red buffalo check shirt today. <laughs> um, my dog got out of the fence, and the neighbors were trying to corral him. Mind you, my dog is 75 pounds. He got out of the fence was running down the street. My poor neighbor's We're trying to corral him in and I'm outside with my two-year-old and I see all these neighbors around my dog and him taking off running. So I took off running with my two-year-old and we had to catch the dog. So I've gotten my cardio in for the day. So I do feel like I've engaged a little bit in self-care because I did engage in physical activity as well as a little resistance training with uh, (laughs) my daughter wanting to get down the entire time. But um, yeah, my blood's pumping. So I'm, I'm here. Okay. Okay. Well,
1: that sounds, um, that sounds intense, but I'm glad that, uh, I'm glad you make it, made it back to, uh, get that exercise in and to, to sit here in our Buffalo shirts and to, uh, you know, share our knowledge base. That's
0: right. <laughs> I have to do my taxes too. And stay tuned, everybody, because we do have a few, um, we do have a few things, a few shout outs and comments that we are going to be sharing in our next episode as well. So keep them coming. We love hearing from you. We love getting the feedback. And so we're here for you. We are in this together. And together we are better. Heck yeah, Tiffany. All right. Bye y'all. Thank you for listening. This is one of
1: our eligible episodes for CCTSW MCS credit. To receive Certificate of Listening confirming this credit, please visit our website blog and click the SurveyMonkey link powered by SurveyMonkey. This will open the post-show test. Just pass the test. Be sure to include your name as you would like it to appear in your certificate as well as an email address for us to send your Certificate of Listening.
0: Once you've completed this, either myself or Tiffany will review your answers and send your certificate to the email address you provided. Please allow five to seven business days for certification as we are both full-time transplant and MCS social workers. If you did not receive your certificate in seven days, please feel free to send us an email to beatsbysw@gmail.com. at gmail.com.